exactly. Oh, you, 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 you made it through the other end. Yeah, we're yeah, here now. We're still we're there here now. Still plugging along. Exactly. Yeah. But uh, officially, we're already recording. So, Dr. James, welcome, mate. Thank you for coming in. Thanks, James. Thanks for having me. That's all right, mate. So, uh, before we sort of get into the depth of anything, mate, why don't you just uh, tell everyone listening to what it is you do? All right. So, I'm a a dentist. I'm a general dentist that focuses on sort of cosmetic dentistry. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've got a practice in Airport West. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've been practicing dentistry for uh, about four years now. How old are you now? Uh, 26. 26? Yeah. That's good. Six. Um, I worked up in the country for a couple of years, mm-hmm. uh, but grew up in East Keelor area, so I've come back and bought a practice around there. I was about to say, is that home. why you've gone in that area? Because yeah. you've got a bit of a network around that place? Exactly. Close to home. Um, and at the practice I bought into, I've been working there since I sort of graduated. Yep. Um, it's never been a very cosmetic-driven practice, mm-hmm. but um, with social media and things like that, I'm, I'm starting to to guide it down that path. Certainly a demand yeah. for it at the moment. Definitely, definitely. Um, so doing injectable treatments as well as uh, all obviously dental and facial aesthetics. Yep. Yeah. Um, and why dentistry, mate? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I, I wanted to be a dentist actually since about year 10, since I was in middle of high school. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved health sciences. Yep. Uh, didn't want to be sitting behind a desk all day. And I was tossing up between medicine and dentistry I just love the fact that you're using your hands a lot in dentistry. Yeah. Um, solving problems, using your hands. And um, if it was going to go down the medical route, it would have been something to do with surgery. Mm-hmm. But that was a bit too bit too long for me, long-winded. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough, man. So, mate, let's uh, maybe have a little bit of a chat about some of the, I suppose, most common. If we start with the more, not the cosmetic stuff, mm-hmm. but the actual yep. the teeth. Yep. What are we seeing quite commonly? And what do you reckon some of these yep. causes are for these dental issues that we're yeah. seeing well nowadays people are definitely keeping their teeth for a longer period of time mm-hmm. um and the most common issue we see with people that actually take good care of their teeth is tooth wear whether it's from clenching grinding whether it's from over brushing and over cleaning yep. um and that can actually lead to pretty detrimental issues down the line mm-hmm. um you can wear away your enamel you can wear away your gums yeah um and you can just be left with needing really comprehensive dentistry to, to sort of fix it. Well, you had a look at mine the other day and there's a yeah. little bit of that, a little, little bit of grinding little bit of going wear. on. Yeah. yeah, definitely a little bit of wear. And I find that a lot with people that are um, trained, yep. the gym, uh, take care of their bodies, mm. especially when they're exerting a lot of force lifting weights. Mm. They'll activate a lot of their um, masticatory muscles, which are the muscles that clench your jaw. Yep. Um, and overactivity of that is just going to lead to some tooth wear. Yeah, I've even noticed that. I remember, it hasn't happened for years, but yeah. when I was younger, if I particularly went heavy, strangely on bench press, yeah. I'd get a lot of straining sort of ah, okay. through the yeah. neck, which was sort of similarly associated yeah. in that area, I guess, yeah. with clenching and definitely. and everything for sure. Definitely. Uh, and definitely since COVID, mm-hmm. uh, a lot more stress and anxiety. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people coming in with broken teeth. Yeah. Yeah. And look, most of the time the clenching occurs when you're sleeping, you're not even aware of it, aware about it. Mm-hmm. Um and people just say they wake up with headaches, sore jaws, things like that. Mm-hmm. Good in- indication that you've been doing some some heavy clenching. So, I mean, obviously, if people are clenching their teeth at night time from a, an, a stress mm. load, we could say. Mm. Um, I mean, obviously, that could be approached from a few different directions, whether that be with dental advice, whether that be with splints or, yep. correct me if I'm using yep. the wrong no, right, terminology yep. there, but also any sort of 
psychological work, whether it be in terms of what's going on in the subconscious mind and journaling or psychology in itself. Definitely. But uh, what can you do from your end? Yeah, so I say things that we do in the dental chair are sort of management things. So Mm -hmm. to manage it, if we want to solve the issue, we've got to solve the the root cause, why you're clenching, why you're stressed, why you're anxious, things like that. So that can be more around the counselling and and what else is going on in your life that's leading to that stress. Um, But from a dental perspective, it's uh, let's look at doing something that's going to protect your teeth, uh, protect your jaw. uh, And that really is either some uh, Botox in your your muscles uh, to help them relax. Mm -hmm. And so you can't exert so much force on them. Yeah, I've heard of um, Botox being quite um, effective for the treatment of migraines and tension headaches. It is, yeah. So I don't do it specifically. And is that that always in the jaw? It's in the jaw. There's there's four different muscles that are used for biting down and clenching. Mm -hmm. You've got your masseter, which is this one around the angle of the jaw. You've got your temporalis, Mm -hmm. which is around the temple of your head. And you've got your medial medial and lateral pterygoid. They're a lot deeper Mm -hmm. inside and inside. Um. So the main ones that you do for clenching is you put some Botox in the in the jaw mm-hmm. or some up here around the temple mm-hmm. and it just relaxes those muscles so you really can't exor- exert those forces because the Botox uh, toxin actually paralyzes, paralyzes well. the muscle. Is there any concerns there with, I suppose, creating dysfunction in uh, speech patterns or anything like that with too much mm. Botox around the jaw or would you have to be pretty excessive to create such yeah, sort of so restriction? You, you wouldn't really... You're, you're not... Speech is more related to lips, tongue, rather than rather than uh, how you open and close your jaw. Okay. Um, articulation is a lot more to do with, to do with your lips. Okay, yeah. that makes sense. Then. Yeah. So I think... Um, so aside from Botox, really, it's it's uh, some type of occlusal splint. So yep. you, you wear it at night. It's it's a hard piece of acrylic. Quite thin. Uh, it's relatively thin. You usually somewhere between two to four millimeters. So okay. It, it's just it opens your jaw to a certain degree and makes your teeth bite down in a certain position that you can't be activating those muscles as much. Does that change any of sort of the? the palate position or sort of more like where your tongue is sitting within the mouth? Yeah, so actually that's a really good point to bring up mm. is tongue position, yeah. tongue tie. Um, that's another really big cause of clenching and grinding. If you don't have a very well-developed palate, mm-hmm. um, if it's quite narrow, uh, then your tongue doesn't actually sit at the top of your palate. So mm. when you think about it, when you're, when you're closing your mouth and you're breathing, naturally your tongue sits Should at the fit top, on the roof, yeah? the roof of your mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, some people that have tongue tie, uh, so their tongue is is tied to the bottom of their mouth with that that little freedom at the bottom. Yeah, 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 they can't actually move their tongue up 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 to the top of their mouth. So what causes um, that? Just they're just born with a tongue tie. Mm-hmm. They're born with a um, too much skin holding holding their tongue down. Okay. Um, so my business partner Phil, um, he does a lot of uh, tongue tie and lip release and tongue release for babies, mm-hmm. uh, just to help grow properly. Yeah, help them help them develop properly because if you 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 don't have that tongue sitting at the top of your mouth as you're growing your tongue actually exerts a force mm-hmm. to, to expand your jaw yeah if that force isn't there then the opposing force which is your cheek mm-hmm. will, will pull your jaw in or, or constrict your, your upper jaw or your your palate yeah uh, and then the tongue isn't there to actually expand it yeah right yeah so um that can actually if you're not you know, if you don't have a well-developed palate, it can lead to issues with airway, uh, and yeah. airway issues lead to uh, clenching, grinding, poor sleep, sleep apnea, things like that. So beyond obviously 
genetics and lifestyle there, but mm. you know what I think a lot of people don't understand is the nutritional impacts that that has mm. on developing, I suppose, a wide structure of your jaw. Yep. When people are eating, you know, wholesome foods mm. with plenty of protein, healthy fats, yep. not too much refined carbohydrate mm. and sugars, you know, they generally developed a, a lot more room in their jaw. Yeah. Where now in the modern Western world, yeah, we're seeing quite the opposite yeah. of that, and yeah. that seems to be having an effect on the. Um, I suppose the width and the shape of the upper yeah. and the lower jaw, mm. and as you mentioned there, it can change the uh, I suppose or affect the ability for the tongue to sit yeah. where it is meant to in mm. the mouth. And now we're seeing a lot of dysfunctional breathing patterns. Yep. So there's people that have become mouth breathers. All yep. right. So we, obviously, mouth breathing in the day or mm-hmm. or at night, regardless yep. of the sleep position. Yep is going to obviously yep. have a big mm. impact on whether you're more likely to breathe through the nose or through the mouth. But mm. people aren't realising that when you're breathing through your mouth, you're sort of bypassing the natural filtration yep. system that the nose Definitely. is actually to provide. So mm. your nose hairs there yep. and everything like that. So I remember one of my football coaches when I was young, he mm. had chemotherapy because mm-hmm. he had cancer. And he said, you know, just the little tiny little things mm. that we take for granted in mm. life is the nose hairs and he said that was one of the most uncomfortable feelings for him was almost like a it was almost like a burning sensation from breathing through his nose but um beyond that you know what i mean the sinuses produce about 60 percent of the body's nitric oxide yeah so we're looking at acetylcholine production Mm. for memory mood focus problem solving we're looking at um vasodilation exactly so pretty important for blood flow whether that be in training or whether it be in sexual arousal Mm. so getting an erection or just being aroused in the female female anatomy as well Mm. so so much goes into uh i suppose our breathing that we again take Mm. for granted much like the the hairs that are in our nose definitely and it just acts like you're completely right there the the nose acts like a massive filter Mm. for, for everything going in it warms up the air um takes out any uh, particles in the air that air pollutants air, air pollutants things like that um, and then obviously with nitrous oxide things like that um, I don't think a lot of people understand how important nose breathing is mm. um, just for growth and development especially from a young age yep um, and if you've got uh, poor airway patency poor palatal development mm. uh, you're going to not de- not only develop your facial structure as well but your whole whole growth and development's going to be stunted in, in some way, shape, or form. Well, that probably goes down even further then because, again, if you're not developing the, the, the palate correctly, as we've been calling it, the very first part of the GI tract or your digestion, mm. it starts in the mouth mm-hmm. with mastication and chewing of food. So I would say, as a whole, I mean, digestive issues are really, really common. Mm. Um, and we're in this very time poor society so everybody's eating on the go yeah very choo-choo swallow yeah. with distraction 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 um which you know without going on too much of a, a rant and taking it away from the topic yeah. of conversation yeah. but whether that be in front of um your instagram account mm. whether it be in front of tv um whether it just be still working on yeah. the phone essentially all these things are providing stress some sort of sympathetic dominance, mm-hmm. which is the complete opposite of rest and digest, yep. meaning that our body is nowhere near in a position ready to assimilate and actually break mm. down those nutrients. But again, that choo-choo swallow is what's affecting the digestion because we're producing salivary enzymes, which yep. is sort of giving the gallbladder and the pancreas some information about yeah. what's about to come. Yep. And so you can see that obviously 
mm. jaws that don't line up very well yeah. is going to compromise your ability to start yeah. that digestive exactly. process in breaking it down. Yeah. If you're not chewing properly uh, and you're, you're not actually masticating your food well enough, mm. well, you're, you're not going to get... You, you're going to give your, your stomach a, a, a harder job to actually do the rest do of the, the work. Job, yeah. Um, but then also, the, especially the, the types of food that you're eating, if it's very highly processed, mm-hmm. uh, your body's just not designed to be uh, ingesting some of these some of these nutrients. Yeah. So yeah. with that, man, like if we look at you know some dental structures that have been dug up out of the ground yeah. from years and years ago, well mm-hmm. before sort of toothpaste and things probably yeah. existed. Yeah. And they look pretty good. Yeah. So what do you say about yeah. something like that? So like the, they used to have indigenous people charcoal? use some um, ch- charcoal. I, I don't know much about the history of charcoal. I know mm. about these, these sticks, these roots right. that people used to chew on. Okay. They used to fray at the ends and people used to chew on them. Uh, I don't know what the chemical they had inside them was, um, but they seemed to work. Mm-hmm. The reality is that your diet and your saliva mm-hmm. will play a much bigger role in your oral health uh, than uh, what you, what toothbrush and toothpaste you're using. Yeah. Right, so and I think that's um, what I was kind of fishing for. Yeah. Hoping to hear yeah, you say that. Yeah. The um, diet, obviously, uh, carbohydrates mm-hmm. and acids are, are what cause tooth decay. Yeah. So tooth decay is really so you've got. There's always bacteria living in your mouth, over 700 species of bacteria in your mouth at all mm-hmm. times. Um, the main ones um, that cause decay are going to, what they do is they, they consume simple carbohydrates mm-hmm. and produce an acid. And that acid will actually dissolve your teeth. Your tooth is made up of hydroxyapatite. Um, an acid under 5.5 pH mm-hmm. will start to dissolve it. Uh, and if, if your mouth is in a state of um, acidity, Mm-hmm. for a, a sustained period of time. So if you're constantly snacking, yep. your, your mouth is going to stay at that lower pH and yep. your teeth are going to continually break down. So if that's what we say. If you're going to drink um, a can of Coke or if you're going to have something sweet, have it all at once or have it with dinner mm-hmm. or, or have it with a meal. Don't sip on it throughout the day because yep. you're going to keep your mouth at that low pH and you're going to uh, actually keep your teeth uh, demineralizing. And your saliva actually acts as we call it like liquid enamel, because over time, your saliva is, is the buffer. So after you've finished eating, your your, your saliva production is still high, to work, yep. uh, and it has a lot of minerals in it uh, that actually the same minerals that are in your teeth. So the saliva goes to work to actually replenish those minerals that have been lost through um, through that acidic or or um, I guess, the, yeah, the acids that the, the bacteria have produced. Mm-hmm. If you have really poor saliva with poor buffering capacity, uh, poor saliva quantity, then you're pretty out of luck because you, you're going to be very susceptible to decay. What sort of things may make someone have low saliva production? Um, the carbohydrate consumption? or So no, dehydration, yep. uh, medication-induced. Oh, yep. So low saliva production or dry mouth is called xerostomia mm-hmm. and a lot, a lot of medications actually cause xerostomia. A lot of uh, antidepressant medications. Yep. Um, um, so SSRIs. SSRIs, SNRIs, things like that. Um, they seem to yeah. have a pretty blunting side effect as a whole yeah. to not just saliva yeah. production, but there's a lot of um, pe- people that get a lot of difficulty sort of feeling aroused and... Feeling any emotion. Yeah, really. they feel very feel blunted. Flat. I guess uh, that's... I'm not a, an expert in this by any means, mm-hmm. but um, just from... Um, 
patient experiences and things like that, when people have started on, on different types of medications, you can see differences in, in their personalities. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, um, for sure. Back to, I guess, types of toothpaste, types of... Um, yeah, please. Look, fluoride and non-fluoride, I'm getting a bit of, not pushback, but a bit more questioning about fluoride, what's I'm its benefit. It up. What's its benefit? Um, look, it's it's hard to convince or tell someone that it has it in their mind that fluoride's bad, mm-hmm. that it's not bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but according to the CDC in America, the, <laughs> it's the one of the top 10 public health initiatives mm. um, that's ever been introduced. Yeah, right. Fluoride in the water. Now, fluoride is naturally occurring in, in a lot of water sources. Mm-hmm. All the government does is uh, regulates the concentration of fluoride okay. to one part per million. So some water sources might have more, some might have less. They just bring it to that level. What do you think about its necessity to be in our water systems, though? Because mm. um, I'm certainly friends with a lot of people that enjoy that conspiracy rabbit hole. Yeah, and yes. we get them started on yeah. uh, fluoride, and it's yeah. I suppose being neurotoxic and and it's, you know numbing the pineal gland yes. and trying to make us all dumber so there's control and stuff yeah. like that. What? Yeah. How, how essential do you think that fluoride is to have in such yeah. systems yeah. to maintain good dental health. Look, it is. If you look at the incidence of decay mm-hmm. in in areas that haven't been fluoridated mm-hmm. and areas that use artisanal water, mm-hmm. I can't think. I don't know the percentage, mm-hmm. but it's in the realms of between fifty to seventy percent increase in, in decay experience. Okay. Yeah. So, um, really, aside from drinking uh using fluoridated toothpaste yep. having fluoride in the water uh yeah i, I completely agree that is a, absolutely an, an essential thing to have yeah I hang on so you're saying it's essential to have in the toothpaste but not essential in the water or is both, essential in the water both in the water Interesting. And, the, and, the, and the toothpaste yeah Interesting. Yeah. i mean look i'm sure i'm sure i'd get more work <laughs> if there wasn't fluoride in the water there'd be more people coming in with holes yeah no doubt but i don't really like uh telling people they've got a lot of holes in their mouth yeah, yeah. sure yeah just uh, my mind spinning now about, yeah. you know, the percentage of difference of which would be created if there was no fluoride in the water, but yeah. you still used fluoride in your toothpaste. Yeah. Um, yeah. And whether or not with enough, I suppose, execution of good nutritional mm. habits, as we said, yeah. that seems to be the main thing that's yeah. impacting dental health mm. beyond brushing your teeth. Mm. What the uh, downfalls will be there if we're looking at weighing up, okay, well, what's the byproduct, what's the consequence of having fluoride? Yeah. Yeah. So look, I think... Fluoride in the water, it's not only a matter of, well, we're talking about one part per million. Mm-hmm. Fluoride in toothpaste is between 1,200 to 1,500 parts per million. Mm-hmm. Um, and one part per million in the water does actually benefit your teeth without mm-hmm. any empirical evidence mm-hmm. for, for any detrimental health impacts. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Got ya. Yeah. Got ya. Yeah. So it's like, look, um, the issue with... Uh, some scientific studies are. I think it's the the level of evidence. Hundred percent. That's always the way, level especially when it's not that it's really nutritional focus, but nutritional sciences particularly are yeah. fucking questionable yeah. <laughs> because you know yeah. there's so many predetermined outcomes before that study has even begun. Yeah. And if it obviously didn't, if they didn't collect what it is that they were looking for, you've yeah. probably never seen the study. Exactly. And then they we can, look into the funding of it. Yeah. And, the yeah. funding and. Well, sample sizes, sample size, things like that. Exactly. I think the only way to really look at um, evidence and is looking at, well, is this a systematic review? Is it a meta-analysis? Mm-hmm. What's What actually, is it just a cross-sectional study? 
a lot of people that come into te- uh, come in to see me and ask for advice, and they're like, "Oh, my friend did this and it worked for them," or "My friend did this, it didn't work for them," so I don't want to do that. Yeah, right. Well, if you're talking about anecdotal evidence, looking at the hierarchy of what evidence is, anecdotal mm-hmm. evidence is the bottom of the bottom, bottom of the pool. Bottom of the pool. Yep. Yeah. Until you get up to systematic uh, reviews and meta analyses, yeah. Then then we can talk about something that is actually. Um, Yes, because again, if it's if it's hearsay, yeah. which is essentially what we're talking yeah. about, well, what other factors are involved in there? You know, mm. it's not really a controlled study if no. we we don't have any awareness of does this person yeah. clench their teeth at night? Does this person train? Does this yeah. person have a shit diet? Yeah, exactly. Know, so many so things many that are going on there contribute. Um, but it's it's hard to it's it's hard to just tell these people no no you're wrong you don't want to just be rude no, to of them course. you you want to try and educate them. Which is which is why you want to sort. You don't want to just throw studies at them and say, "No, this study says that. This study says that." Mm-hmm. Everyone's got their own personal right to choose to do what they want to do. Yep. As long as I, I tell them my what my study and my uh, not research, your opinion but is my opinion is yep. based based on the research that I've I've looked at, um, and then they can go ahead and make their own decision. Because if if someone tells me they don't want to use fluoride toothpaste, I'm like, well, that's fine. There are mm-hmm. other alternatives that actually are quite good. Yeah. Um. You look at a fluoro, um, a toothpaste with uh, hydroxyapatite or nanohydroxyapatite. So I was just about to ask you, what other ingredients yeah. within the toothpaste are giving us benefit? So you've got there are a few main ingredients. You've got a um, an abrasive. Uh-huh. Some have like a bicarb soda. Uh, soda. Um. So that's all right because I actually remember when we were still at school, mm. people used to put or make their own toothpaste or yeah. combine their toothpaste with things like yeah. bicarb soda and brushing their teeth, and there yeah. was always that debate over whether that was bad yeah or good it yeah. may have made them a little bit wider yeah but it could have maybe yeah rotted the so teeth look, away i don't know yeah so what bicarb is soda there? is is a is a it's basic mm-hmm. basic ingredient so uh, it's not acidic yep and, and it's it's more used as an abrasive rather than anything else so so what does that mean abra- exactly uh, so abrasive? abrasive is something that will clean yeah yeah so it's got little fine particles that when it's rubbed it's almost like a little exfoliation exactly exactly okay, exactly cool, what cool, it cool. is so every toothpaste will have some sort of abrasive some will have more aggressive abrasives usually yep. as the whitening toothpaste mm-hmm. have a more aggressive abrasive because they want to scrub a little bit more yeah the more aggressive the abrasive the harder you're brushing the harder the, the bristles of the toothbrush mm-hmm. the more um i guess the whiter your teeth will potentially be because yep. you're going to take away any surface stains yeah but also the more aggressive they're going to be on the teeth and, and the gums too. And the know. gums as well. Yeah. 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 Because people, you know, I do hear a bit of bleeding gums or things like yeah. gingivitis. And yeah. What, what's going on there? So gingivitis is essentially inflammation of the gums. Yeah. So if you're not flossing or you're not brushing right around the gum line, mm-hmm. the bacteria that's sitting there is just going to inflame inflame the gum tissues. Yeah. And what happens with inflammation? Red, you get redness, you get heat, you get swelling and bleeding. Yeah. All right. So that's, what, that's what's happening with the... With, uh, with gingivitis and any sort of infection in the teeth and the mouth, mm-hmm. I don't know it makes me nervous to think yeah. about having one. But yeah. that's then going down your throat. You can get really, really sick from that. You can. So infections, the body does quite well to contain infections. Uh-huh. So anytime there's a, uh, you say you've got a, a hole in your tooth, it gets into the nerve, and boom, you've got a toothache. Yeah. Uh, then eventually that the nerve will die off, and the bacteria will get go to the, the root of the tooth uh-huh. and start to cause an abscess. Yep. So if that abscess is contained, the, the body contains, uh, well, 
by definition, an abscess is contained within a within yeah, its within own a sac. Exactly, within yep. its own sac. Um, if it's not contained, then it turns, you can get what's called a cellulitis, which is a, quite a fast-spreading infection. Um, and it's not like contained, a contained area of pus. It's just a very fast-spreading infection that can, that can become quite serious. Mm-hmm. Um, now, there are a couple of instances where you can die from tooth infections, especially if you get an abscess down in your wisdom teeth mm-hmm. or on, on, the, on the bottom jaw, you can, the abscess can go under your chin. And, and is that probably most your, common to get a little bit of infection through the wisdom teeth there because yeah. people, their wisdom teeth aren't coming through straight because of yeah. the narrowing of the jaw that we've spoken about yeah. due to, I suppose, yeah, maybe poor tr- nutritional environment yeah. leading up to that age. Yeah, so look, the some people don't have the size in their yeah. jaw. Um, for wisdom teeth, some people either have really big teeth or really uh, for the for the size of their jaw. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes they just don't come out straight. Yeah, and that's just it might be related to that. I'm I'm not too sure. Yeah, because what would have happened before yeah. you had modern dentistry yeah. available? Yeah, exactly. it would have been a fucking shit time. Exactly, surely. it wouldn't have been fun. But the the reason why a lot of people have pain in their wisdom tooth is because they've come out halfway through the gums mm-hmm. and the gums still sitting over over the back of the tooth. Yeah, so it's very difficult to actually get and clean underneath the gum mm. so what's happening is you get food stuck back there or you get some bacteria back there and the gums get really inflamed yeah and so so inflamed that you can't open your mouth that you can't chew that you're in agony yeah right yeah. so it's actually an issue that's being caused by another issue sort of thing exactly yeah 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 um what's going on with root canal yeah. Like what, what's what's the actual process there yeah. what's causing root canal because yeah. I've been pretty fortunate with my teeth yeah. I've had a few knocks and bumps and had yeah. some chips repaired and things yeah. like that but no you know I've never had to have braces mm-hmm. um, I've never really had any major yeah. dental, dental issues yeah. mm-hmm. so I'm pretty ignorant on the topic but, yeah. but you do hear about root canals you hear about them being pretty painful yeah. what's causing that what's actually happening yeah alright so I just did a, did a root canal you this did morning. one this morning yeah <laughs> you are pulling some teeth yeah. <laughs> so root canal uh, is a way to save the, a, an infected tooth and keep yep. it in your mouth all right, so a tooth infected, you either pull it out or you do a root canal. Mm-hmm. So what that involves is opening up the top of the tooth, and does that essentially when you say opening up the top of the tooth, so what does that mean? You drilling, drilling a, a hole, hole yep. drilling a hole into the top of the tooth, and say let's say we're talking about one of your bottom molar teeth, mm-hmm. drilling a little hole, and you're finding the bottom molars have usually three root canals. Mm-hmm. All right, um, so you're finding within that little hole, you're finding three separate holes where the three nerves have come out of the tooth. Okay, yeah. Yep. Before you get that far, yep. you're obviously putting local? Yeah, local anaesthetic. Because that's making me think that's going to hurt yeah. a lot. Because yeah. how do you... Because obviously you can't put a needle into a tooth, no. but you're putting the local into the gum where the nerves are yeah. so you can no longer feel the tooth. Is that what's yes, going on? Yes, exactly like how you do it for a filling. So yep. with the bottom jaw, uh, if we're doing any, any teeth on the bottom jaw towards the back... Mm-hmm. We have to um, put some local anaesthetic right at the back of the mouth yeah. uh, because the bone's quite dense there and the anaesthetic mm-hmm. doesn't diffuse through the bone. Right. Top jaw's different. Um, so we put it right down the base of the of what's called the inferior alveolar nerve mm-hmm. uh, and that supplies all the teeth up into the midline on one side of the jaw mm-hmm. uh, and then you also hit what's called the lingual nerve that supplies the tongue. Um, so that will anaesthetize the, the tooth completely. Yep. There are some instances where you've got what's called a hot pulp where there's a lot of pressure inside the nerve of the tooth mm-hmm. uh, and they're difficult to anesthetize. Not impossible, it just takes a little bit longer and a little bit more anesthetic. Yep. So if the tooth is completely anesthetized, mm-hmm. then you shouldn't feel any any pain from a, from a root canal. 
yep. during the procedure. Yeah. There might be some tenderness of the tooth afterwards. Yeah. Um, but during the procedure, shouldn't be any pain. Once you've opened up the, the tooth and you've um, so drill, drilled a hole in the tooth, located three canals, you essentially clean out the canals uh-huh. and fill them up. So that's what's causing the root canal and the pain in the first place. You just, they need to clean out of where the roots are exactly. attaching into the tooth. Exactly. So you're, you're essentially... And you're again, is that just happening because of just probably poor dental hygiene from whether it be, again, the foods yep. they eat or the, re- the, I suppose, consistency of their cleaning or flossing? Yep. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, like, if you've got a... Uh, if you have a hole in your tooth, is mm-hmm. it any ch- a chance that it could turn into a root canal or it could become infected? Um, because your tooth is a, is a living thing. Yep. It's got a nerve inside, it's got a blood supply, it's got immune, immune cells inside there. Mm-hmm. If When you've got decay, you've got bacteria moving towards the nerve. Mm-hmm. Um, and essentially, even if you, you take away that decay, there's a chance that the bacterial products have gotten into the nerve mm-hmm. uh, and they, the, the tooth could just say, no, nah, I've given up, the, mm-hmm. nerve's, the nerve's dying and, and you've got to do a root canal. And mate, we've spoken a fair bit about sort of um, the microbiome mm-hmm. of the mouth there and the bacteria. Mm-hmm. What are your, what's your stance on things like um, mouthwashes and stuff yeah. like that? Because is that I, I would only assume mm. that that's disrupting the biome within yep. the mouth. Yeah. So I think um, so. Alcohol-based mouthwashes, yes, would have a big big impact on that. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I personally, I only think mouthwashes are really good for one if you've had surgery and you can't brush your teeth. A yep. specific mouthwash to use just to keep uh, bacteria out of out of. Um, Surgical signs, yeah. Uh, other than that, they're great for freshening your breath. Yeah, yeah. There's no real benefit for cleaning your teeth mm-hmm. using a mouthwash. Yeah, because in order to um, get plaque off your teeth, you need mechanical disruption. Got oh, yeah. Mouthwash doesn't give any of that. Yeah. Um, I haven't really considered what effect it has on on the microbiome. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a big believer in gut microbiome and, and sure. how, how, it, uh, how it impacts your, your overall health. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, your, your oral cavity is the start of the gut, so it does play a big, big role. Um, but if we're, if we're talking about microbiome in the mouth, you we're talking, like I said, there's about 700 species of bacteria. Some are good, some aren't, aren't so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's about just keeping that balance. Mm-hmm. It's about keeping that balance. Now, um, if you've got spots of decay, spots of gum disease, you're going to have... Uh, the balance is going to be tipped anyway. Yeah. yeah so you 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 really need to do some some work to to sort of how do you, how, how do you go? Um, I guess somewhat holding a poker face because I'm sure there's the occasion when you someone opens up their mouth and mm. they've got a bit of that decay or yeah. rot that mm. it doesn't smell overly yeah. great. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, my mouth. Uh, I think. I my, mean, you've got your face yeah, covered, but you know the, the face covering doesn't 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 cut it. Much. <laughs> I think my voice tends to turn a bit nasally when, <laughs> <laughs> when I when there's someone with that that sort of uh, breath. But the thing is, since COVID, we've actually started to do a a preoperative mouthwash. So before anyone opens their mouth, we get them to, to rinse their mouth out with some some you mouth might mouth just rinse. Use that excuse to keep that exactly. Going I think yeah. I think that's one thing that COVID's given us has been been uh, for the best. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Did you get much restriction through that time period, or just um, heavier sort of? No, because we were practices. We were closed for essentially four months um, over the two lockdowns. Is that because of a large part of your business being the cosmetic side of things? Not really, um, because how is yeah. it, like if. 
like anyone who's chipped a tooth mm-hmm. or had something go wrong with their yeah. teeth, like that's not something you want to put off. No. You want that fixed. Yeah. We've spoken about the nerves that go into those teeth yeah. and that's exactly that feeling. It is. Yeah. It's just, it doesn't matter how tough you are, like no. nerve pain yeah, will painful. put anyone down. Especially if it's in, if your, it's head, in your head. You, too, can't, you like, can't get away from it. Yeah, like just even the breathing yeah. mm. in and out on it, it's sharp. Yeah. So the, the reason was, I think it was because we're working in people's mouths. This virus is transmitted through aerosols. Um, mm. There was no effective way to to guarantee that we weren't transmitting it um, to and from patients. Yeah, uh, and we didn't know enough about the virus at that time. at that time. So it was mm. just like no, no shut down. Um, if you the only patients you be, you should be seeing are, are these ones that have uh, tooth emergencies. Yeah. So even though we were shut down, I was going in. You were on sort call. Of on call. Yeah. On call. I saw maybe three or four patients a week. And um, how did that affect your business in terms of like a percentage yeah. of turnover? Our oh, turnover was nothing. Yeah. Essentially, there was, we were on JobKeeper and things like that. Yeah. Um, and it was, I was essentially doing just goodwill for the patients. Yeah. Our patients have been coming to see the, the at the practice for the last 30 to 40 years. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't want them to be left in the, in the dark, not yep. having a dentist to go and see if they've got an emergency. 100%. Yeah. So, mate. I asked you before how old you were and you're 26 and you've you've done a pretty good job at getting yourself into a good position business-wise for someone who's um, still quite young and early on in their career. Mm. Um, and obviously I've, we sort of engage for the first time through social media and, yeah. and that's um, where a large part of, you know, modern yeah. day business operates. Definitely. So, mate, talk to me about what you've done mm. in your journey to sort of get your voice and your message out there to sort of, Know, separate it because yep. again the, I don't see too many young sort of cool laid back yep. dentist guys going about and you know leveraging off these yeah. tools it, it seems to be it's just yeah, yeah it's just it's, not, it's just not, not what I do usually see yeah um look I I think it's a bit of the personality of the average dentist mm-hmm. there's not a lot of extrovert dentists a lot yeah. a lot tend to be quite introverted yeah um and it's just the the nature of the of the job and and the path to get to that job. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did, when I graduated, I started working at, at two practices, one in the city that was quite aesthetic and mm-hmm. then this one in Airport West. Um, and I felt that I love talking to patients, I love communicating, I love doing a bit of education about yep. teeth because there's a lot I didn't know when I started uni. Mm-hmm. I knew I loved dentistry, mm-hmm. but I didn't know how little I knew about teeth and industry. It's uh, when you really start learning, isn't it? Though? Exactly. When you realise you know nothing, yeah, all yeah. of a sudden your world opens exactly. up to new learnings. And I thought, well, I, was, I wasn't really active on my own social media, um, but my partner, she, she was like, oh, let's, let's, let's make a, an Instagram for you. Mm-hmm. And I'd seen a lot of dentists on Instagram that market to other dentists, either to show off their work to other dentists, to, to show off different techniques. But there weren't a lot of dentists on Instagram that were personally talking to patients mm-hmm. yeah there's always been this sort of elitist nature i think around it was almost uh, like they come in do their work and then any communication yeah, can go through, go through the um the or nurse the or the receptionist, receptionist. Mm. exactly um so i think but at the end of the day the client wants to speak to the person in exactly charge. they want to speak to the person doing the work they want to feel comfortable with the dentist doing their work yeah um and i felt that well, i've found that since since starting the instagram mm. um having that platform just to show uh, a bit of a personal side. Plenty of social proof. Yeah. 
and sh- showing off some of my work, but also just communicating with patients. So I do like free virtual consults. I was just about to say, that's one thing I definitely yeah. noticed about you is that you've got a willingness to give mm. up some of your time, yeah. obligation free. Yeah. And that's obviously working out pretty well for you. So what would yeah. you say your sort of conversion of those consultations turn into clients? Yeah, I'd say, well, you, we're at about 80% of, 80 to 90% of the consults actually come into the, into the clinic. Wow, um, that's which good. Is, which is great. Mm. Um, and then it might take them anywhere from a week to, to four months to, to, get, to there. get there. But I feel like once they're in the clinic, well, we've already connected in, on some level, talking yeah. about, their, about their issues and things like that. Mm-hmm. And in the clinic, <clears throat> my time's a bit more valuable. There's a, it's, it's a bit more going on, whereas I can actually sit down for half an hour. I don't mind sitting on, on my day off and, and having a chat to people about, about their issues. Yeah. Um, so, well, there's that yeah, personal personal connection that I've definitely found through Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel that once once people come in come into the and, and sit down and chat to you, yeah, they and they feel like they know you a little bit. They're yep. a lot more open. Completely, they're, they're definitely a lot more open and, and are willing to talk about their issues. Whereas, if a patient's coming in f- to me for, say, just for a checkup and clean, and I notice something. Uh, there's a bit of hesitation. I don't want to seem like I'm I'm selling you treatments, but yep. I can see something that maybe I don't know if you that if, could unfold in the exactly. future if we don't address. Yeah, that. or yep. if you I don't know how concerned you are about aesthetics. I don't know how, how much this is. Uh, so I, I talk to them yeah. but if they've if they've already expressed to me what their concerns are because they they found me on Instagram, mm-hmm. then that that conversation piece gets a a lot easier. Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. Um, and I mean, again, you're into your training. Mm. You're into your gym and yep. you obviously look after yourself and uh, which is kind of what's given us a little bit of yep. mutual ground as well. Um, how long have you been training for? Um, I think I started, so I used to be quite a chubby kid. I started training in about year 10 um, and then start of uni 2013, I got into powerlifting. Yeah, right. Um, so I had a coach in Coburg. Mm-hmm. Do you ever compete? I competed three times, yeah. At what weight? Uh, 83 kilos. What'd you pull? Uh, well, we were, uh, I think it was 140 bench, yep. two, 205 squat, mm-hmm. and 220 dead. They're pretty good numbers at that weight. Yeah. I mean, when we look at um, sort of like really impressive numbers, mm. sort of like mm. world-class numbers. If yeah. you're benching twice your body weight, you're worth yeah. too far off that. Yeah. And if you're benching sort of two and a half to three times, to- squatting and deadlifting yeah. two and a half to three times your body weight, that's yeah. they're pretty impressive numbers. So yeah. from a pretty young fella with, you know, less experience, that's a yeah. that's not a bad effort. And it was always like a friend from high school started up a gym, yeah. a powerlifting gym. Mm-hmm. And it, I was like, oh, I just wanted to lose some weight. And he's like, well, it's a great way to lose weight if you have to... Um, make weight for a comp. Mm-hmm. I'm like, all right, well, let's just give it a crack. Um, and that sort of got me into it. And I, I was at uni at the time, so I had I had two hours to spend at the gym. Yeah. Yes, that's the amount of time. That's you what you spend. need when you're doing powerlifting. Exactly. I was, mm. you, you're sitting there for five minutes resting in between each rep. Yeah. Um, and it was awesome fun while I was doing it. I love getting up on stage in, in that leotard and, <laughs> <laughs> and lifting, lifting the weights. Did you ever sniff yeah. the, uh, the salt? Uh, the, the no, salts? I didn't. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't, but uh, they looked intense. Um, and I think that's a bit of my personality as well. I don't mind just being, being up in centre of attention sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
And then it got to the point where I was in my final two years of uni. I was up in Mildura and Wodonga and, and Ballarat and it was just got too hard to keep training. Yeah. But I was also getting injured quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. no no doubt. Anyone yeah. that sort of seems to go down a path eventually ends up with some sort of injury because yeah. at the end of the day, this is where um, I suppose sometimes I help navigate people mm. and decipher the differences at times is that, you know, when we're looking at exercise and training we've got powerlifting we've also got bodybuilding and they all kind of come and fit underneath this health and fitness industry so to speak but within that there's often a lot of things that i wouldn't necessarily deem to be entirely healthy and i mean even myself i've gone through phases of training and programming where the objective was to somewhat be powerlifting and see what numbers that I could Mm -hmm. produce. And yeah, I pushed some pretty big numbers. Um, You know, I think I've done a 195 bench press. I've hit uh, about a 260, 270 dead and about a 240, 250 squat. But mate, I was getting puff wiping my ass. So like there was nothing that felt overly (laughs) healthy about it. it, You know what I mean? So, um, you know, that's one element of it. And again, when Mm. we look at the nutrition yeah. of a lot of the powerlifting community. Again, mm. it's calories, 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 because yeah. in some weird way, having mm. a bit of a gut can actually help you get out of the hole. Exactly. In yeah. the squat. If you have that... Uh, if you've got that little belly, it's yeah. sort of almost like a little a medicine little. ball to push you back up out <laughs> of that hole and counterbalance. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, um, it's it's cool to experience those things, but oh, yeah. yeah, and at the same time, you're, you're literally trying to move as much weight from point A to point yeah. B and who really gives a fuck out gets uh, there. Exactly. Nah. It's hardcore. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. You try and find the, the best form to move the weight, but it's just get it up. Yeah. Just get it up. On the day you're you're struggling, your your knees are shaking, you you just your veins are gonna pop out of your head. Exactly. Yeah. The intracranial pressure, yeah. the headaches that yeah. could come with it. But um yeah. and again, you know, that's where some of those things they uh they hold strong through people's emotional attachments or opinion on it. Mm. You know, they go, mm. oh, don't I need to be deadlifting off the floor? Or do I need yeah. to be, if I want to build good glutes, yeah. I need to be squatting with a barbell ass to grass, no? Yeah. Not yeah. understanding that, yeah. A, you probably don't have the biomechanics Actually for that or yeah. the hip sockets mm. that are going to allow it yeah. and you're just going to end up with a fucked back. Yeah. And if we're not powerlifting for mm. competition, yeah. again, what does your body suit? Do we really need to be deadlifting yeah. from the floor to get the same benefit? Yeah, you know? no, that's so true. And I found that now my, well, since COVID, my uh, training's focus a lot more on just being healthy, mm-hmm. just feeling good and, and being healthy. Well, your, your priorities have changed. Definitely, yeah. definitely. Uh, you don't have two hours to be in the gym. No. You want to feel good, Yeah, be able to focus when you get back to work, not fucking riddled yeah. with sciatica shooting down yeah. your legs. Yeah, exactly. I used to rock up to uh, the clinic with wrist straps, arm straps, knee straps, I felt like a, I felt like a, an old man. Like, yeah. Oh God, I, I don't think I can sacrifice my career just to lift weights. Yeah, no. Because yeah, posture is uh, massive in dentistry. Well, yeah, I think about that too. When um, uh, whenever I go get tattooed, mm. you know, they got the worst posture. Those yeah. boys because they're just leaning over you the whole time, yeah. and I guess in some way you are a little bit too. Mm. So, what do you do about managing your posture? Yeah. So, well, we have saddle chairs, mm-hmm. which really help keep yep. your keep your back curved. Yeah. Um. And the biggest thing is is the loops, those magnifying glasses we wear. Yeah, yeah. So they're angled at a certain degree, but you've got to keep your your head down, mm-hmm. sort of see what you're doing. Yeah. And then every so often, you you want to see a tooth from a different angle, and you're yeah. you're getting this way and that way. Um, 
I I tend to have quite a good posture. Yeah, when I'm working, I think it's most people's lifting. posture. Like it's 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 an awareness of it. Like yeah. if you want to improve your posture, yeah, there's no real magical exercises. Yeah. Like yeah, sure, we can probably say, look, we need a greater pull to push ratio yeah. and yeah. certain things to try and get the scapula mm. to sit where they should. But for the most part, your posture is going to be a reflection of where you spend the most of your time. Yeah. So if you're aware of it, oh yeah. shit, pull yeah, myself pull back, back into a good spot. Exactly. And I think that's what a good thing that came from the powerlifting days is. Uh, my coach sort of telling me that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Just be aware of your posture. Because yeah. when, you're, when you're lifting, you want to have good posture when you're starting it and throughout the, the movement. Mm-hmm. So just being aware of actually what muscles you're activating when you're lifting the weight yep. to keep your body in a certain, in a certain position. Um, but the one thing I do like is we've got microscopes mm-hmm. at the practice. So these things that come off from the wall and you're sitting looking straight yeah, and then you're working down here. Does that um, play around with your sort of muscular coordination in a way yeah, because yeah. usually we're down exactly. watching the hands up here you're kind yeah. of moving in a in a it different take, direction it take a bit of getting used to a bit of getting used to just mm. like yeah not seeing that different coordination it, it, it's good once you've gotten used to it it's it's a lifesaver no doubt yeah is yeah. there sort of um dummies and things that you've used for training to sort of get at uni skillful at it at yeah. uni it was all just on on mannequins mm-hmm. um but there, there we were just using loops and now it's uh, I do um, smaller procedures, more so root canals and stuff with a microscope. Yeah, because you can see really close and yeah. you see these tiny little holes in the tooth. Yeah, um, but still regularly just use my my standard loops. Obviously, you've been yeah. practicing for a while now, but you would have mm-hmm. been pretty nervous the first time you were opening up someone's mouth. Yeah, no definitely, definitely. And I think the uh, one of the hardest things to get used to is patient communication, mm-hmm. or to get good at is patient communication because. When you're, when you're working at uni, one, it's you're either working on a ma- mannequin or for two years we did uh, clinical placement. Mm-hmm. Um, but no one was no one's paying for the work. So it's all um, all the work that we do at uni is all free. Yep. Um, so one of the hard things is to explain to people what's going on in their mouth and the fact that, all right, well, you need a root canal, you need an extraction. Mm-hmm. Well, why, why do I need an extraction? The tooth might not be hurting, but there could be other issues with it. They might be, have severe gum disease that is unsalvageable. Yep. Um, and then saying, well, if you want an extraction, you can pay $300 or you can root canal the crown. It's going to cost you 4500 uh-huh. And then to, to try and get people to understand that if they do lose the tooth, there are other consequences. Yep. Collapsing of their face, collapsing of their bite. Yep. Um, if you've got, say if you've lost five teeth in your mouth, then nothing has changed with your, your musculature. Yep. Your, your five teeth less... And all the the remaining teeth are having to take the force. They're taking light. a lot more load. Yeah, yeah. And we yeah. again, that sort of brings us back to what we sort of started the conversation with in looking mm. at the start of your digestive process yeah. being with the chewing of your food. Yeah, if you don't have enough teeth to chew with, then you're you're kind of screwed in that, in yeah. that department. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. So what else, man? What else you been working on that's a bit weird and quirky? Um, oh, what else has been going on? The business has sort of taken up a, a lot of the a lot of the time. We're rebranding. We're doing some renovations. Mm-hmm. Uh, just trying to get that aesthetic part of it a bit more uh, obvious mm-hmm. for, from the from the get go. Because again, that's what you've done really well here. Is you've taken obviously your formal studies and education on mm. dentistry and realised mm. that the the demand that exists mm. within society at the moment mm. for more cosmetic procedures, whether yeah. that be um, bonding of teeth, whether yeah. it be the Botox stuff, whether mm. it be lip fillers. Like yeah. It's a huge industry. Yeah, it is a massive industry. And I think 
the one thing I'm really passionate about mm-hmm. is, I guess, comprehensive cosmetic dentistry. Mm-hmm. So not just, I'll oh, come in and I'll do your bonding or come in and, yeah, I know I'll fix your teeth. Mm-hmm. But it's understanding that I'm not just working on the front six teeth. Yeah, Your whole mouth is really important. Mm-hmm. So, all right, maybe your front six teeth are most important to you. Yeah. But if I don't look at what's behind them yep. and protect what's behind them, mm-hmm. then it's going to be doing a disservice to you. Mm-hmm. And you, you lose some patients that way because some patients just want to care about their front six teeth. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I, I don't think I'd be doing them a service. And that they'll, they'll probably go and find some dentist that will do it for them. Um, mm-hmm. But... I'll feel better in my conscience if I'm if I'm doing what I, what I think is right in terms of comprehensive treatment, um, and it's sort of, sort of the best way I think to to treat someone. Just like when you're when you're, I guess training mm-hmm. training someone, they might just want to say, "I just want bigger arms." Well, yeah. all right, but everything else. What's the consequence? Exactly. What's the training your arms? Consequence of just training your arms. Yeah, you want to have a, a holistic approach. Yeah, yeah, because again. Not that really I'm in the market for any sort of Botox yeah. or loop filler <laughs> right now, but um, you'd have to say that you'd be preferred a proper medically trained mm. practitioner doing it than yeah. I think because of its popularity and demand. Yeah. There's maybe, you know, you do hear some horror stories of some yeah. shit like that, or yeah. again, people maybe not having the the morality or ethical mm. code, so to speak, to say, yeah. well, you actually don't, don't need, need it anymore. Yeah. Um, which is probably, again, we come back to that communication, yep. client communication. Um, sometimes difficult delivering things that they don't want to hear, but yep. I think that's probably a concern. Surely as yep. people get really disconnected from that because it's immediate, it's instant yeah. gratification. Definitely. And that's a very addictive thing. Mm. Like quite literally, you're getting a dopamine kick out of that instant yep. gratification and change. Yep. And you can see why people always want more and more and more. Exactly. And that's where it becomes... Dentistry and I guess the whole cosmetic industry is as healthcare mm. as opposed to a business. Yep. You've got to tread a line there. You've got to still remain ethical. Yes, you can provide patients with treatments that uh, aren't, I guess, 100% necessary mm-hmm. uh, to improve aesthetics. Um, a lot of cosmetic treatment isn't going to save your life. It's not going to um, benefit your benefit you your health, mm-hmm. but it could benefit your self-esteem. It could yeah. benefit this. But then you've got to recognise a lot of people do suffer from some form of body dysmorphia, yep. especially the ones that are that are asking for, I want three mils of lip filler in my lips. That's you know, crazy, like, mate. Well, they I'm just the, end I'm up looking like they've got a perforated asshole. It's fucking inside out. Yeah. It's just, and it's, it's like outside it's like the line of their lips. It's just, it's just it looks like they've been stung like a bee. Exactly. Two big sausages on their lips. So I think uh, recognising people that, or seeing the, the warning signs of people that have some sort of body dysmorphia uh, and not only just not treating them for, for your own, I guess... Uh, financial gain. Financial gain, yeah. but it's also well, referring to some, referring them to, to talk to someone to figure out what's going on there. Yeah, for sure. Um, so it's not just looking after your own, own ass and saying, oh, I don't want to get sued if, if I don't do something right for them. Mm-hmm. It's actually, well... Well, let's let's figure out what what the what the cause is as to why. why yeah, what is it that's making you want this in yeah. the very first place? Yeah. And that probably is some deeper psychological root. And I think that brings us to the downside of social media. Yeah, the fact that there is plenty of downside. Plenty of downside. And mm. uh, the fact that it gives people an expectation on what they need to look like, what mm-hmm. they need to feel like. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the, the day, it's just a, it is so fake, and it's not real it's because. So fake on there. There's a lot of editing 
Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and a lot of yeah. filters yeah. out there these days, yeah. you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, and, like, I've seen patients that have come to see me from Instagram and, like, you can just tell that, especially the ones that are, have a very high aesthetic demand, mm-hmm. sometimes they don't really look like what they look like on Instagram. So they're it's trying to there. basically get themselves to match what they're to match editing exactly, is. To match what, the, what, what they're editing is and... I mean, maybe you can just walk around with a with a filter and, a, and an iPad. I've on never your face. understood this, and I really no. don't want to upset people that yeah. are listening and shit mm. like that. But I just can only put myself in that position mm. and go, "Look, I would much prefer somebody see me in a photo or in a video mm. and form their judgment on my appearance yeah. and be like, eh, whatever.' <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. meet me in person, and be like, "Oh, he's actually a lot nicer looking in person yeah. than what he was in photos." Yeah. But I do not yeah. understand. <laughs> why so many people are setting themselves yeah. up for disappointment. I feel like they're yeah. magnifying their own issues that but they've got within them. I, I feel sorry for that because I, I it's think like, that's you're quite secure in yourself. Yeah. You're quite that's secure. what I mean. I feel empathy yeah. towards them. Yeah. But just it just must be horrible. Exactly. Maybe they're not even aware, but mm. people go, Oh fuck, she looked hot on Instagram yeah. and then they met him in person and be like, Wow, she tricked me. Yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's it happens. True. It does, it, surely you hear the boys talk yeah. about that shit. Like, yeah, it does, it, you hear exactly, it comes up exactly. in conversation. It does come yeah. up in conversation, yeah. and it's like, look, anyone that's uh, everyone wants to look good. Everyone yeah. wants to, to look the best version of themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel that Instagram really just—I don't know how to describe it. It just—it just changes the, I guess, the goalpost. It does. Change the goalpost because is is looking and feeling good about yourself mm-hmm. and there's trying to reach something that's unattainable. Yeah. And I feel like the a lot of people try to do that with uh, with their cosmetic work. I think just in life in general, you yeah. know, like I think it's a really you hear people say all the time, Oh, you can be whatever you want when you grow up. Mm. No, you can't. Yeah. We all have yeah. you're yeah. born with a genetic basically yeah. ability. Yeah. And then obviously how well you apply yourself mm. to that. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, I've, I'm thinking in the future from mm. when I hopefully get the opportunity to be a parent one day. Mm. And that's, yeah, encourage your kid to do as many different things yeah. as they can and try it. And that's going to be really good for yeah. their dexterity yeah. and they're going to get to experience what mm. they like. And then they, but there comes a point in your life, mm. whether that be with formal studies or whether it be with athletic stuff, and you go, well, now you've got to start investing your time into what you've actually got the best chance of succeeding yep. in while still hopefully having yep. some passion and enjoyment out of yeah. it. Yeah, no, I think that's that's very true. It's There's no point, um, I guess, encouraging people to do something that's unattainable. Mm. Yeah, because if you're not going to, if you, if you, if you, if you have no way of reaching that goal, mm. then you're, it's sort of a futile it's a bit futile to to try and keep keep pushing something. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm I'm in the same boat that yes, when you're young, try a lot of different things. I tried playing football, soccer, mm-hmm. uh, badminton, table tennis, mm-hmm. a bit of everything. Um, and I thought I was uh, so in in career paths. I started studying pharmacy, mm-hmm. and I hated it. Yeah. Uh, and uh, but I also saw that well, pharmacy is sort of a dying career. Because uh, unless you own a chemist warehouse, mm-hmm. um, unless you own the pharmacy, unless you own the pharmacy, mm. uh, and then even then you can't go now and start up a an independent pharmacy because you're just going to get a price gouge by chemist warehouse. Yeah, and the waiting list to buy a chemist warehouse is they up, own the up, monopoly, upwards really, of ten they? years. Yeah, yeah. Um, so 
unless maybe your family's in pharmacy, then it might be a good option. Yeah. Um, but it's a, it's a very difficult profession to, to do well in. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I'm like, well, this is, I'm sort of wasting my time here. So let's just, I, the main reason was I didn't actually get into dentistry straight away. Yeah. So I've, I had to find a find Did some of the stuff path. that you did studying pharmacy carry over into your dentistry degree or not so much? Um, probably one of the subjects. There is a bit of pharmacology in dentistry because we do use drugs. Yeah. Anesthetics. Yeah. Um, we use um, antibiotics and things like that. Anti-inflammation so, stuff. Yeah, anti-inflammatories, painkillers. Pain so and we, we do prescribe mm-hmm. as well. Um, and then there's like the nitrous oxide and things like that. Oh, yeah. Anxiolytics. Yeah. Um, so that, that it wasn't a wasted year, but I think the most important thing about that year was I don't think I was ready to study dentistry. I wasn't mature enough to actually know what I'm getting into. Um, so I'm, I'm a big believer in it. Everything happens for a reason. For yeah, sure, there's not a there's not a wrong step you take. If, if if it feels like a wrong step, it's just a you're gonna learn something from it. How do you manage back to social media? How do you manage, I suppose, putting enough time into your content creation and addressing inquiries that are coming through that platform while still being able to um, separate yourself enough from the phone and not get caught mm. up in that black hole yeah. that is Instagram. Like I know myself when COVID hit, um, you know, typically my normal routines, like, you know, up at sort of 4, 4.30 in the morning yeah. and my day started, I'm get going and I might not even really get an opportunity to look at it until sort of yeah. 10 a.m. Yeah. Whereas, you know, my entire structure has been yeah. rolled out, so I'd be yeah. sleeping in, I'd wake yeah. up, open my phone, scrolling through, yeah. Black Lives Matters, child yeah. police, brutali- yeah. police brutal- brutality, child molestation, yeah. lockdowns. And I was like, I'm mentally yeah. fucked yeah. and got yeah. off it. But I just noticed that, you know, when you're used to it, you know, mm. you deleted the app and I'd, without any sort of conscious decision-making yeah. process, I'd be opening my phone and going to press my thumb where the button, where the button used, to used to be. be. <laughs> it took a good week for that habit to well. to break down. But I guess, yeah. yeah, my question is, how do you manage or do you make some yeah. pretty conscious effort to try and detach yourself from your phone being a business yeah. owner? I do, I do. I When I'm at work, mm. I try to not look at Instagram at all. Yep. Um, I have now connected my Facebook and Instagram and my website to the practice. Yep. So now most of the messages that come through Facebook, Instagram, go to my reception team. Great. So they'll manage that. You've done that well. Um, and then in terms of content creation, mm-hmm. I just smile for the photos. My my nurses take the photos yep. and send it to my partner. Yeah. Let her do it. She does all the, actually sets them up, writes the captions. I'll just say, yep, that looks good. That's where I'm going wrong, man. I need to <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, she's, she's, she's great with all that. And like she had a, a quite a big following on Instagram um, yep. on her personal page. Cool. And then so she's sort of taken control of the Instagram and said, well, let's just keep growing this and see, see where we can take it. So she does a lot of the, the groundwork re- responding to messages as well. Because it does. Um, it becomes another part-time job almost. Does. Like it whether is. that be just in interacting, mm-hmm. replying, yeah. Um, yeah, making the content, posting yeah. the content. You yeah. Know? And like when I, because I'm a pretty just laid back guy. I just yeah. talk, talk how it is. I don't really have that, um, especially on Instagram. I've never thought of it as a business. So when, when we started, started the Dr. James B page, um, I was responding to patients and just talking a bit too casually, according to my girlfriend. So she was like, no, no, you don't, this is how you got to respond. You've got to respond with a more professional way and things like that. And it's gotten to a point now where we have sort of pre, 
pre-recorded. To, yeah, you've got a structure. Got a structure, and it's just this is the way it's done. Obviously, if if um, someone asks me some advice, I, d- I tend to not give too much advice over Instagram just because the uh, the medico legal ramifications if you don't have a and even within that man like i get that heaps mm. because at the end of the day my service isn't really tangible yeah it's mm. you're paying for my time and you're paying for my information yeah. if i can get that information to you in a shorter period of time and yep. i'm sufficient for me then yeah you know that's not really none of your business exactly but yeah. you know and i'm always happy to mm. respond yeah to a message mm. and give a little bit of feedback yeah. the very best I can. But when somebody comes to me, oh, how many grams of carbs should I be giving? Well, yeah. fuck, man, I don't know. What's how much body fat do you have? Like? What What's lifestyle yeah. is? How, how do you train? Like, yeah. there's so much stuff that's, yeah. I don't know. I yeah. can't give you that exactly. question. But there is, people will continue to take yeah. as much as they can. Yeah. And that, that they're not even doing that from a bad place. Yeah. Yeah. But they're just, when you've answered a question, they come mm. back with another question, another question. Yeah. You just sometimes you got to draw the draw line and be like, "Look, you're see now me. asking me things that people pay me for." Yeah. Like, yeah, come in and see me. Let's book. have a chat. Let's, <laughs> yeah. let's 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 meet and we can figure out a plan for you. I'm the exact same thing. But people will say, "Oh, do I need veneers or how do I fix my teeth?" I'm like, "Look, there's a thousand I different need to ways." See your teeth first. Yeah, there's a thousand <laughs> different ways you, we could fix it. They'll send me photos, and I'm like, "Look." Until I actually see what your bite's like, what you if you've got gum diseases, you've got decay, mm-hmm. I can't really give you a quote. Um, and I don't know what you're actually looking for. I need to know you a bit more. So yeah. let's just get on the on the Zoom call. So mm-hmm. now it's just straight, let's let's get on a Zoom chat, mm-hmm. um, book, book in to see me, and then we can have a chat. Because, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess in that way, in order for anyone to actually get the work done, they've got to come and see me. So the Zoom, the Zoom chat provides a bit of value to them. 100%. It's not... Um, and it's a lot more time efficient for you to be able exactly. to do it from wherever you are rather than because if i if i get consults in the chair mm-hmm. that costs money yeah it's just while well, i'm sitting at home on my day off that's uh, that's not costing the business money yeah um but no i loved some some of the videos you were doing about uh, i guess technique getting getting big round shoulders I was watching oh yeah, the other day. yeah yeah no there's a few different ones yeah, yeah i've been watching some of those it's been good mate it's just it's a big thing that i see in the fitness industry is because we've gone from this place where information was scarce, scarce, um, and now social media has come along and yeah. we've discussed some of the negatives or downfalls with yeah. uh, social media today, but at the same time, it's given us an opportunity yeah, exactly. to, to run our yeah. businesses. But now everybody has a voice. Yeah. So there's a lot of either conflicting information yeah. or everybody's just trying to reinvent the wheel. Yeah. And so, you know... Th- you're trying to really sound fancy and impressive. Mm-hmm. And, and I understand the importance of being able to demonstrate your knowledge with a little bit of terminology here and there. Yeah. But for most people, I don't need to talk about your semimembranosis and just call it a fucking hamstring. Yeah. You know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? Like exactly, they just don't, yeah. It doesn't yeah. need to be overcomplicated. And your information as an yeah. educator, which yeah. as you've said, you like yeah. to teach as well. Yeah. Your information is only as good as what you can get somebody else to understand. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so, you know, I, I try and... Think up of some really good, just mm. just layman terms or stuff that's yeah. going to resonate yeah. with uh, with that person, and that's part of the coaching. Really, is finding it might be the exact same cue, but mm. I'll use five different ways of saying yeah. the exact same thing, and yeah. it just clicks with this person yeah. or it doesn't click yeah. with that. You know what I mean? Uh, that's so true. I think um, some people try to sound uh, more knowledgeable mm. by using jargon, by using uh, big words that. Uh, in my case, dental related. Yeah. Um, especially like I was a, a, 
a friend of mine was talking to me about root canals. Uh, before you're talking about that, like I don't know what those muscles are. Your yeah. your anatomy understanding is very different and probably more thorough than what mine yeah. is, especially in the muscles of the head, face. head and the neck. It's, like, yeah. just yeah. tell me muscle of the jaw. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's all. I yeah, exactly. Know. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, now there's like, uh, yeah, a friend of mine was showing me a post about how root canals are bad and how they're poisonous and how they can cause cancer and this and this and that. And he was showing me that this. This guy had all these all these references. Mm-hmm. Well, all right, well, that's, that's pretty impressive to have all these references. And I'm going through. Yeah. Like some of these references are from the 60s. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, lots changed since then. Yeah, some of them are from the 60s. And um, it's just, it's incredible to see, like we are talking about before in terms of research, mm-hmm. that you can make research say whatever you want it to say. Yeah. Which, and, which is good and bad, but bad in the sense that People can use it for their own benefit, their own bias as well. Exactly, you know? exactly. They can, push. and we all have a bias, hundred oh, percent. But just some people really fail to yeah. acknowledge that and yeah. put it forward. I'm like, oh, look, I've got a bias because I do things yeah. this way. Yeah, but I would have a bias as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't like pulling teeth. I don't like saving teeth. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I'm sure that because what every- the fuck would have been happening in the '60s in the dentistry world? Yeah, some that's, pretty brutal shit. That's no? that's why. A lot of people are scared of the dentist is because of, of the past. The past, mm. yeah. Minimal anaesthetic, just come in, get your teeth ripped out. Yeah, yeah. That's why, I mean, in the sixties and and the seventies, we had the school dental vans, mm-hmm. which were, uh, which terrified kids and traumatized them. No doubt. Um, then you had lack of fluoride in a lot of water sources, and the you weren't people weren't doing implants. People weren't doing a lot of root canals. Uh-huh. Let's just come in, get your teeth out, get some get some dentures in. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I still see a few people in their twenties that come to see me for dentures. Yeah. Um, but very rarely. It's expensive too. Yeah. Yeah. Look, the most expensive part is probably pulling all the teeth out. Yeah. Um, it's not a lot, not uh, not as expensive. Or as veneers. Doing. Veneers. Veneers are, are expensive. Yeah. Um, but it's all relative. Like, so does a veneer actually go into the gum? Where the tooth is? How, what's, uh, what's the so, actual veneer? Okay, do? so there's a couple of different types. So a crown is when you've got when you cut the tooth down mm-hmm. to a little a little stump. Yeah, and you put a fake cap over top. Got you. And it looks like a real. And tooth. when would do someone do something like that? If you've had a root canal. Yeah. All right. Or if the the tooth itself is quite heavily damaged. Right. You've got to actually the indirect restoration, which is the crown. Yeah. Has to be has to cover the whole tooth to actually mm-hmm. support. The, the remaining tooth structure. Got oh, yeah. With a veneer, it just covers the front surface. Okay. Yeah, so you shave like 0.3 to 0.5 millimetres, quite minimal, mm-hmm. um, and then you just put a cap over Basically the front. sticking it on the front. Yeah, so that's I guess that's another thing is uh, since the pandemic, not a lot of people have been able to go overseas mm-hmm. to see... Um, cheaper dentists. Che- cheaper dentistry. Mm-hmm. Um, now, there is some great... There's, there's some great dentistry that comes out of some of these countries, Thailand and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um but there's also some... Well, Thailand's a big capital for plastic surgery. Yeah. There's also some sh- really shocking work. No doubt. Um, I think the only way you're r- going to get some really good dentistry is if you're either from there uh-huh. or you have some good connections, you know someone from there who can actually lead you to the right place. Yeah. Because they come back... But even still, it's fucking a bit touch and go because something goes wrong a week later and you're no exactly. longer in Thailand. Exactly. You can't uh, go unless back you're yet. willing to go every six months to, to get your teeth maintained. Because mm-hmm. even when I do when I do a comprehensive case, if I've done um, uh, a full case of veneers or crowns and a, a rehabilitation case, mm-hmm. 
I'd tell people you need to. It's like getting a new car. You've got to come and see me every six months so mm-hmm. we can we can maintain everything. Yeah. Because there's nothing as good as your natural teeth. Sure. Nothing I can give you is going to be as good as your natural tooth enamel and natural tooth dentine. Not even an implant. Yeah, everything it almost surprises me to hear that these yeah. days, just with you know the advances yeah. in technology and stuff, that they mm. can't produce something as hard. There's definitely things that are hard, as hard. Yeah, right. But it's the bonding, right? The the adhesion of our materials to the teeth. It's, so it's more likely going to break on where it's been stuck. Exactly. Yeah. Go yeah. On. Exactly. Um, and it's more like well, if and again, the saliva probably breaks it down. Saliva doesn't do it. It's the, the moisture. The moisture in in how in when it's stuck. Mm-hmm. If there's any moisture in it, yeah. Uh, then you're 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 going to have a, a poorer bond, poorer adhesion. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I say well, you've got to come and see me every six months so we can actually, if anything does go wrong, I can pick it up straight away. Otherwise. If you, if you don't see me for, for five years and you come back and say, this is broken, mm-hmm. well, why is it broken? Have you just been uh, not brushing properly or have you, have you has it, did it fail three months ago and there's been decay building up under, underneath it? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's comprehensive dentistry. That's what a lot of people don't understand, especially that come to see me in their 20s saying, mm-hmm. I want veneers. All right, well, veneers have a, say, 10 to 15 year lifespan. Yeah. That's what the, what the research shows. In ten to fifteen years, you can't just say oh, I don't want veneers anymore. You've got you can't to just you, take them off. No, you've got to either get yeah, because you've ground them down. Yeah, either ground them down or they've um, they've discolored around the margins or they've chipped in parts. You've got to either replace the ones that need replacing or replace them all. Mm. So, say if you're spending twenty thousand dollars to get some veneers when you're twenty, in how many times are you going to have to replace them over your lifespan? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So every every say let's say every fifteen years. Mm-hmm. You're gonna need five to six sets five of rounds of them. Yeah, yeah. And every time you do you replace them, you shave back a little bit more tooth. Yeah. So if you if you go to Thailand, you get crowns on your teeth where they have to shave it into. You've yeah, seen the Instagram those yeah, little yeah, shark yeah. teeth. Yeah. So if if you're 20 and you've got good healthy teeth and they have to shave it down to crowns, or they they choose to shave it down to crowns, because mm. um, it's easier to do um, to change things around to do yeah. some small design things. Um, then next time you might not have enough tooth to actually put another crown on it. So you've got to have to, then the next step is implants. Yeah. So you might be 40 and having to get implants on quite a few of your front teeth just because you, you've, you've done a lot of, uh, a lot of damage mm. unknowingly. And I think that's, that's one of the big education pieces. It's educating people about how destructive um, poor dentistry can be. Yeah. Sure. And when people come to see me for aesthetic work, I usually tell them, well, if your teeth aren't nice and straight, we've got to do some orthodontics. Because if we can move the teeth into a nice position of the arch, got more options. then I have to do a lot less shaving. Mm-hmm. So anything I do is going to be a, a lot less invasive. And in my, in my opinion, the, the less dentistry I have to do, the better. Yep. The better for me, the better for you. Because things are going to last longer. Mm, it's and more natural for you. Exactly. And then also it's not going to be as the maintenance cost isn't going to be as high. Mm. Now you can't always do that. Um, but for the most part, especially for young people, uh, I really recommend getting Invisalign or braces before we do any um, veneer work or even bonding work, just so you have your natural teeth in their right position. Mm-hmm. And then if we need to change shapes, we can change shapes, but we don't have to do really aggressive cut, cutting down of teeth. Mate, I really appreciate your time. Thank you for coming in and talking some teeth with me. No worries. Um, are you going to train now? Yeah, I, think I'll, I think I'll head down and do a bit of a session. Good, man. You may <laughs> as well use the gym while you're here. Anyway, all right. Thank, thank you, you guys. very much. Cheers.